Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to chat some bollocks about fanny tits and bum. No topic is off the limit for these potty mouth found mums. So tell us all your secrets, we like to share the truth. About saggy tits and anal warts and ice cubes up your hoof. No, no holes barred. Hello, Laura! Hello, Victoria! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hot. It's hot, in it? It'll oh, be it lovely. How many times have you said that this weekend? Don't say it's too hot. Don't. Oh, it's hot. Well, come on. No. The ginger girl can't cope. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit hot. It's a bit hot. But you know what? I am actually enjoying it. I am but enjoying it. Do you know what I love about this weather? And it's the one thing is not only does it make people happy unless they're too hot and they're miserable, yeah. but it's it's the evenings. I it's know. the fact that you can <gasps> sit out and lush. it's warm and the sun's going down and everything's just so, you know, you can you can even justify for us, obviously, as we've near the beach, we'll go down the beach. And, you know, have fish and chips, something like that. And it's just, we've not done that once in this heat wave. So I don't know why I'm <laughs> suggesting that. But you could. The but we could. There. The option is there. <laughs> the options are limitless. Oh, well, you know what? Yesterday, oh, first of all, fucking Oliver got sent home from school on Thursday. Fuck at like life. 12. Fuck the Why? Why? The kids are so sickly. It's not even that. It's more that the establishments won't take them if they think <laughs> they've got a hint of disease. When it, I, I swear to God. They rang me, they like, um, he's got like two spots on his face. We reckon he's got chicken pox. So I went, he's had chicken pox. Well, when did he have them? When he was like three. Okay. Um, but we still think that he's got chicken pox. What? It's like, he hasn't fucking got chicken pox. You can't get it twice. Anyway, so I said, well, what do you want me to do? And they're like, can you come and fetch him? So I was like, fine. <laughs> Just really annoyed. And they said, can you get him checked out? So I went and fetched him and that's my day over then. That was my work. I was really furious about it because mm. I just take the brunt of the kids being sick and having to mm-hmm. sacrifice work days because obviously, because, you know, I'm a, a what, what are we? What's our job title? Content creator. Content creator, entertainer, comedian. Um, comedian. Comedian. Uh, don't forget podcaster. Oh yeah, podcast. I forgot about that. That's an essential part of my job title. Um, yeah. So, you know, I can take the hit on it because I'm self-employed, but. That doesn't make it any less irritating or Or make me feel. Yeah, I feel like fucking. This is just what happens to women. We just take the brunt of all of this because that guy's going to be on our back again. Oh, snore off, not all men. (laughs) Not all Uh, men. But unfortunately, the man I married to. (laughs) 
I do have to interject immediately and yes. set you right because you have given information that I can guarantee you will have an influx of people um, telling you different. And that is you can get chicken pox more than once. Yeah, oh yeah, probably. My brother-in-law has had it five times. Anyway, it wasn't chicken pox because he went to pharmacy. <laughs> you know, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. They're fucking insect bites. He just had like a bit of a, um, a reaction to the insect bites. And also, it's so fucking hot, it could have been hives. I know, yeah, exactly. I mean, who keeps their kid in school with hives, to be fair, you know? <laughs> I would. <laughs> Big does. <laughs> <laughs> He'd scratched one, so it looked pretty bad. But I was like, I'm not going to send him to school today. Because I had Edith off anyway. So I just thought it was really hot. I just thought I'm going to take these two to the forest. Let's just yeah. go and have a picnic in the forest. You Fuck know, it. yeah. If he is ill, we're not hurting anyone. We're in the fucking forest. And we also, it's, it's fucking Friday. It's Friday. It's nearly the summer holidays. He'd been. Absolutely. He'd had a really emotional week about school. You don't have well. to justify the days when you go. You know what? It's the end of the week. Yeah. I'm keeping him off. You don't have to justify that, Vic. That doesn't make you a cunt mum. It makes you a good mum. He was so fucking happy when I told him. Oh, he wasn't I bet school. he was. Because his little face, he was proper like, oh, am I going to school today? And you know, we've had like full on real massive meltdowns for the last couple of weeks. I think oh, they're just winding him. down for school and, you know, yeah, it's, it's been hard. an intense year of their life when you really think yeah. about it. It's not even a year. It's the first school year that they've had. It's a yeah. lot of growing. Oh no. So uh, yeah, I just thought, fuck it. So I took them off into the forest, which <laughs> we got lost on the way there. So that's not ideal. That is so stressful when you've got Google maps and two kids screaming in the car and you're like, I don't know where we are. And we're like in the middle of nowhere. Cause we went to this really remote forest. I was like, um, it's just going to be another five minutes. And then I like pulled over and put in a different sort of place code. Cause I knew there was a cafe in the middle of this place anyway. And then it, it said journey 19 minutes. I was like, fuck it. Anyway, so we just went into, I, I just found an entrance that we've never been to. So we went there and it was, it was so nice and it was really cool in the forest. Obviously, I mean, this was so funny. I'll put this on my story, right? We, as soon as we started driving, they were like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Want a sandwich now? Can we have the picnic now? Mommy, can we have the picnic? So that was like 25 minutes of them just asking me to eat the picnic in the car. I was like, no, sorry, I'm driving. <laughs> Should I say this? Um, well, I could get you a sandwich. Um, or I could crash the car and we could all die. Am I supposed to say that? I don't know if that's good parenting. What would you prefer, kids? Yeah. A sandwich? Righto. I'm letting go of the steering wheel. The thing is, they'd both say a sandwich. Yeah, my just be like, I just want a fucking sandwich, it, My children, as soon as they leave school, it's like, yeah. we have a, I don't know, two and a half minute journey home <laughs> from school to house. And I'm not kidding you. It's like, it's unimaginable. If you show Unimaginable up with no if I shot without a snack. Yeah, 100%. So we got there, Edith was kicking off because this girl loves her food. And, you know, we've gone maybe four minutes over her normal lunchtime. So we officially had taken 10 steps away from the car park. And um, they both had their sandals on. Epic fail on my part because it was every 30 seconds, I've got a stone in my sandal. Then we had to take yeah, the sandals off. Just in my head with the two of them, you know, both of them are just constantly. That's all we did. We walked probably 10 steps. I took their sandals on and off about 25 times. And then they were moaning so much. I was like, fine, let's just sit here. We sat on the path. We didn't even find a spot. <laughs> Picnic. Do you know I think we should rename this podcast Vic's uh, Parenting Bitch <laughs> That's what it is yeah, so we, I just sat on like a fucking side of a path And people were walking by going Alright, nice spot for it And I was like, well, n- no, not, not really. really Covered in fox shit and piss <laughs> yeah. 
like, we sat there, I was like, I can definitely smell shit. And I sort of looked to the left and there was just a heap of dog shit right next yeah. to us. So I had to f- fuck that off. I got a bit of stick and just lobbed it. And then Oliver has no warning for when he needs to poo. It's not a situation of like, oh, I think I might need to poo. Oh, okay. like the girl last week. Exactly that. Yes. Maybe he doesn't even know until it's coming out. Yeah. But then he was all of a sudden just like, just stood up mid sandwich and was like, I, I'm doing a poo now. I need a poo. And uh, I had to take him to it for a poo in the forest, but whilst also getting really anxious that someone's going to steal Edith because yeah, she was they would have brought her back, mate. Don't worry. Within five seconds, they were like, <laughs> fuck this kid. <laughs> I don't want to. I can still see it. She was still there. So I'm like holding. Oliver crouching him over and he's curling out a massive turd, like gigantic tail. I'm trying not to get it on my sandals all, all over him. Thank God I took baby wipes because I don't normally carry baby wipes that frequently now, but I bought some when we were in the supermarket. I was like, just, just in case, just in case. You know what that is? That's intuition. It was intuition. And then he did, did the poo and he was like, two minutes later, oh no, I need another one now. So oh, we had to Lord. go back and poo on top of the poo. And then I just covered it all up with leaves like it was some sort of horrific crime and just hoped that no one would find it. Was it was buried. <laughs> and then we went to a pub that was across the road, um, had an ice cream, and Edith smashed the Sunday glass all over the floor. And it actually smashed in half, and like ice cream went everywhere. And she was screaming. And I just thought, why, why do am I, do I doing this? this? Why am I doing this? Yeah. I remember when the boys were younger and saying to Steve, it was the summer holidays. Elliot was in school. I don't know how old they must have been. And- Steve obviously worked all the time, so he was never at home. I was like, I'm going to take the kids to the Isle of Wight for the day on my own, on the ferry as a foot passenger. And Steve looked at me and he went, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and then I thought about it and I was like, what? Why? Why would I do that? That's a t- yeah. That, sometimes that would end in disaster. You have this like I idealistic kind of idea yeah. of what your day is going to be like. And there were moments of that where it was really idyllic and lovely yeah. and gorgeous. And then there were other moments where I was like, fucking kill me now. So we yeah. got home probably about half three. It was roasting up, just put the paddling pool out, sat in the garden. And then Rob came home and I was like, right, you are taking over. I've had enough. I'm but fucking done. Let me just tell you what happened yesterday. Rob called me a miserable cow. As a joke. Laura's face. <laughs> no. In... Oh, seriousness. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And well, it was really hot. We were like, I think we we're just a bit aggy at each other at the moment. And I'm like on my period. So I've just been a to- oh, I have there's been nothing a worse cow. than it being hot outside and being on your period. I don't oh, know why it makes it doubly worse. Yeah, because you're just like, oh, I've got to deal with the minge junk and yeah. it'd be so hot. It's just miserable horrible. cow. Call me miserable. I was so angry, I just threw my mic. Jesus, wet. <laughs> oh, yeah, so call me miserable cow. I couldn't believe it. And then we basically, I just was like, you know, just looked at him like, you are actually dead to me. But you know what, Vic, to lighten oh, the load, uh, I feel like this first five minutes, you've just full on. I know. I don't, I don't know what's happened. Because you know why? Because my therapy session was uh, filled with other things, not parenting. It was filled with other stuff in my life. And it was only 50 minutes. So I didn't have time to go for all this. So I saved <laughs> this up for podcast. <laughs> but this coming Thursday, Vic and I are going out for the evening and we have got a hotel together. Woo-hoo! Oh, I, I'm so excited. It's oh my going God, you're going to be able to show up. We're we'll going to get incredible. ready together. No, because I don't have to do pickup. So, Thursday is going to be the best day of my life. I don't have to do pick up from school. 
I don't have to do bedtime. I'm going to yeah. be with you. We're going to yeah. go to a party and yeah. we're staying in a hotel. So yeah. I don't have to like even be there. I just don't I mean, even it's have like, to be at home. It, on the scale of mega, it's ultra mega. <laughs> it's ultra mega. And we're staying in a really nice hotel. Yeah. Oh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. So yes, I, I need these little things to look forward to. So Because yeah. you know, I'm a miserable cow otherwise. So. Wow, absolutely. <laughs> God, Fucking shake of it. Fucking oh my God. I can't believe you said it. And then it. I said to him later, and then I did like a passive aggressive thing where I was like, I'm not going to fucking talk to you. We're really frosting yeah. each other for about an hour and a half. And then I just went, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. I just said, this is ridiculous. Let's just move on, you know. And the heat doesn't help, does it? No, the heat automatically makes you aggy. I mean, Steve went out on Friday night. I've shared you the ring doorbell yeah, of him arriving home. Um, so Steve went out on Friday night and he arrived back just after midnight. And I know this because of the ring doorbell. Um, and I honestly thought he was going to go over into next door's garden. <laughs> he looked like he was heading that way. He was heading that way. And then he looked like he was going to go in the other direction to the other next door's garden. So it was just quite an achievement that he managed to get in the house. <laughs> so he got in at midnight and I kept waking up through the night and noticed that he wasn't in the bed. And that's because he fell asleep downstairs holding a glass of water <laughs> until 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I mean, nothing about that appeals to me more. You know, you're like, oh, why do I have sex with you? I know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I really hate that I... I like your penis. Yeah. I don't like Rob's anymore. He's <laughs> <laughs> dead to me. Fucking miserable cow. The chick. Um, how is it, um, just to, out of interest, when, because obviously you don't drink anymore, do you? Mm-hmm. How is it when Steve gets drunk? Does it, are you fine with it? Do you find it hard to be around people that drink? But the thing is, you don't have an issue of alcohol, do you? It's more just the, no. as in like, you're not an alcoholic. Steve's annoying that- as fuck, but I think that whether I'm drunk or not, I find him annoying. So that doesn't, <laughs> unfortunately, that doesn't change. Um, it's only when he gets to a certain point that he becomes annoying in the way that he talks, in the way that he breathes and just exists generally. Yeah. Um, but under normal circumstances, no. I, no, I, I don't. I don't know. I think because... I find that I almost get drunk on the atmosphere. Yeah. So like when other people are drunk, uh, because it means that they let go and they are more comfortable, it makes me feel more comfortable. Yeah. So it's almost like by proxy, I get drunk. I know what you mean. I've just, had that when I've gone out and not drunk. And then you do kind of get a buzz just from being just out. Just their presence, yeah. yeah. Like we went out, we went around our friend's house a little while ago and I was the only one not drinking. And... Honestly, they consumed so much alcohol, but they all seemed sober to me. But I think it's because I was going along with like the hilarity of all of the situation. I mean, I'm pretty weird anyway, mate. So, you know, I'm just able to fit in plain clothing and like in in plain sight when people get drunk. So I'm like, I'm weird, but I can be weird and I don't have to pretend (laughs) not to be because everyone's drunk. Everyone's drunk now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Like it's and I can see why it would bother people who are recovering addicts and like have had maybe complicated relationships with alcohol with other people because that's triggering, isn't it? And then yeah. that becomes difficult to manage. But for me, it's being just more of a, a decision to just not. And I also think there's an element for me still that I kind of live with fear that I wouldn't want to because of the recovery that I've made yeah. on my mental health, that I would be too scared to drink to then have the potential repercussion. And because I think that way, it would probably automatically trigger my fight or flight yeah, anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a flighty <clears throat> cunt at the moment anyway, so I just don't need it. I don't a need flighty cunt at the minute. I'm a miserable cow. You're a flighty cunt. I'm a flighty cunt. <laughs> yeah. 
basically. Well, well, well um, yeah, that's good news because uh, we're going to a party. And, and you're um, going to get trashed. No, I'm not going to get trashed at all. I might not drink, actually. I'm going to have a bit of a... I mean, like I said, my drinking has um, definitely chilled out a lot in the last, like, two years. Oh, my God, that's how long you've known me. I know. I do like a little cocktail. Oh, no, I like a little cocktail. Years. I just have How long have we known each other? I don't know. It's like more than two years, isn't it? Two years ago, uh, it was lockdown. We knew each other then. Yeah, I reckon that Edith was September, like... September. It was the old. September right. 19. Yeah, so that's, that's the year Edith was born. Yeah. That's when we got to know each other. And we fell in love all that time ago. God, it does seem like that was fucking forever ago, doesn't it? Yeah, but isn't it weird, though? And I think there'll be people listening to this podcast that will relate to it, that when you... Sometimes you can know people forever... Uh, but you'll meet somebody and the connection you have with them is something that you've never had with the people you've known forever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can see how like people meet someone and just instantly fall in love. I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about actual relationships where people date and they go, Oh my God, this is it. Yeah. I was speaking to someone the other day about it actually. And, you know, sort of very open candid conversation. And he said about the fact that, you know, he uh, frequented many a woman yeah. and then uh, he was going to frequent a particular woman and he arrived and he said within 10 minutes, he was like, fuck, I can't fuck this up. Seven years later, they're still together. That was like Rob. That's why he didn't want to have sex with me at first. Because oh, back then I wasn't a miserable cow, so. No. Well, back then you wore fucking <laughs> stockings and all sorts, mate. And suspenders. I actually entertained his penis. Now I'm like, oh. Get out of my sight. No, I'm joking. We're, we're very happily married. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's the heat, love. It's the heat. Everyone has bad patches, yeah. Everyone, Everyone has, has bad, bad patches. patches. Let's normalise the normality of marriage and everyday relationships. Yeah, but not being fucking hunky-dory all the time. But also there's a lot going on in my life that's, uh, you know, yeah. outside of Rob. So um, I did actually do some psychoanalysis on myself and was like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, but I, I would have then been even greater at then saying to Steve, and this is why I have reacted this way, and you have called me a miserable cow. Yeah, I need to actually. I nearly did, but the kids were around, and it was just like too, you know. I yeah. do need to talk to him about it. Save it up. Yeah, save, save it up. It up. Mate. I'll save Make it. Make him up. feel really bad. Yeah, I'm like, mate, we've gone so off topic. Oh no, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. Me being a miserable cow. Uh, okay, should we have a story then? Um, I, uh, so Vic, just to let you know, I've had a good week. Thanks so much for asking me. <laughs> oh my God, so funny. How have you been, Laura? <laughs> it's because we've just cut out about 40 minutes of me and you just bitching about life. So no one's, he- our listeners haven't heard that bit. I don't, I think when we go to this hotel on Thursday, I believe very little sleep will take place. <laughs> We might both need to snort a line of something of some kind of like sleep medication to just induce the sleep. Otherwise, we're both going to be dead for the following day looking after our children. I told you I've got my melatonin. It's fine. I'll pop one of those. I'll pop one of those as well. You're going to pop one. (laughs) I I take five supplements at nighttime to aid healthy sleep. Really? Are they all for sleep, are they? Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about this, won't we? Because lots of people don't sleep. Restorative sleep. Yeah. So uh, my experience is obviously I've spoken about it before. But for people that don't know, I was on very strong sleeping medication up until, I don't know, when did I come off them? Beginning of this year, wasn't it? I think yeah, so, it must yeah. have been, yeah. Um, so for a year, I was on the maximum dose of prescribed sleeping medication. And 
um, I weaned myself off of them. And now I take uh, ashwagandha. I take um, uh, cherry active and I take magnesium at bedtime, two hours before bed. And I find that I take it and two hours later, I feel like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah, a little bit. It kicks in. Yeah. So it's not like it doesn't conk you out because no. it, that's obviously not what it's used for, but it's to help aid sleep. Yeah. Magnesium is like a muscle reactant. Cherry's yeah. got um, melatonin, melatonin in it naturally. And uh, what was the other thing? Ashagawanda. Ashagawanda. Don't know what that is. <laughs> what even is that? It is an African root uh, oh. that is uh, turned into a powder. And basically it helps with, I mean, Google it. I'm not telling anyone to prescribe it to themselves because obviously I'm not a practitioner, but um, it is used very successfully for stress, sleep, sleep and anxiety. So um, I was saying, because I'd take the melatonin, but I don't take it all the time. Although I've been told that that's not a good thing to do because, you know, melatonin is a hormone, mm. essentially. Um, but sometimes I just need to take it because I don't like sleeping tablets. They make me feel like shit the next yeah. morning. Groggy melatonin doesn't. Yeah, melatonin doesn't. Just You just feel normal. Um, but then I have this sleep tea combination that um, the nutritionist lady that I saw told me to have. And Hot that's been... <laughs> It's like soil. It tastes so earthy. It's just, I think it's uh, valerian. That's uh, that's like yeah. a valerian. That's a valerian. That's very a good natural sleep. Sleep aid. That um, passion flower and lemon mm. balm. And you have to buy them as three separate things. One of them actually looks like um, hamster bedding. It- <laughs> My gag reflex would not cope with that. I mean, I appreciate that you're you do some weird shit anyway, but that is I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, I made my I I homemade a rhubarb compote for myself to have at breakfast time. What was my uh, rhubarb in my back garden? Delicious. That that is as far as it goes. Oh, oh, I love rhubarb compote. I, I mean, like rhubarb. I, it's a good flavour, isn't it? Bring, would you want me to bring up like massive stalks of it on the train in my bag? Absolutely not. I'm not <laughs> going to a fucking posh hotel in London and be like, um, "Do you need to check um, in any baggage?" And no, thanks. But can I just can I just get this rhubarb, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, I, I, me and Laura are going to be sharing a room in this lovely hotel, but I've got to get back because Edith, I have Edith on Friday. So I've got to get home for 8.30 on Friday morning, which is going to be interesting because Rob's going to work. So that'll be a nice So is it an hour morning. from where we are to home? It'll take, yeah, it'll door to door. It'll be about probably about 50 minutes. But, you know, I'm oh, no, you know, I say I'll be up at the crack of dawn, but, you know, on Saturday, my children woke up at uh, 10 to 9. What? I know. I thought everyone had died in like a gas leak. Um, but yeah, fucking 10 to 9. What That's the lush. hell? What oh. an absolute delight. Oh my goodness, mate. It's a fluke. It will never happen again. No, it won't, mate. No matter how hard I try to recreate it. It will. So we all, it's Christmas time for us. I mean, our kids are older, so it's but it was always Christmas time. That was when the kids would just sleep in because I guess everything was more relaxed. It was dark outside. It's dark, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Steve oh, and I yeah. would just would count down the months until Christmas. Be like, oh, we're gonna lay in, in seven months. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's stop talking about our woes of absolute dysfunction yeah, and let's misery. Do it. Let's and, have um, I have a voice note. Oh, you got a voice note? Okay, great. This has literally just happened to me. <laughs> um, I, I'm at a play park with my boy 
and I've run into an ex-friend. We've fallen out and uh, she's here. So I've been keeping an eye on her, you know, making sure that we're not playing in the same areas. Um, side note, I'm on antibiotics and uh, <laughs> getting the shit. So I run to the toilet and make sure my boy's all right. I run to the toilet and I make this horrific sound as my bum explodes. And then I realise there's no toilet rolls. <laughs> oh, no. I ask, who's there? Can you pass me some toilet roll? There's no way that they didn't hear it. And guess who it is? Is that? Yep. My ex-friend. Oh, I've no. got fuck the patriarchy on my T-shirt, which in hindsight I probably shouldn't have worn to the park. To be no. fair. But we came here on a whim. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> what are the fucking chances of all the people, all the fucking people, to show up and have to witness, bear witness to your gigantic pamphlet, <laughs> and, then, and, and then having literally no more than a week before fallen out with said friend and been like, I never want to speak to you again, and then she's one that has to pass you a bit of toilet roll to wipe your shitty ass. <laughs> oh lord. If you were in that situation, would you ask someone for toilet roll? See, now, Vic, I know exactly what I'd do, and it would be horrific. I would sit sit in silence. I would wait. I would wait until they then left. I would then shuffle round yeah. into the empty cubicle and shuffle back in <laughs> and then wipe my bum. That's what I would do. But the chances are I'd get caught. Yeah, probably by your ex-friend coming back or, in because they forgot something. Yeah, yeah, or I'd shuffle in to get the toilet paper and then someone would come in. I'd then shut the cubicle door and then my yeah. shitty <laughs> would be there. Would be there. And my shitty ass would be in the next cubicle. That is so brave. That's that so is. brave yeah. to do that. I mean, I mean you'd have to fully do... go out with a shitty arsehole on display. Yeah. Unless you, like, put your trousers up and just... You know, just accepted your fate of having a skin mark. <laughs> yeah, but if she's got diarrhea, that's it's quite a it's yeah. quite a it's quite a clean up, isn't quite it? A situation. It's quite it's a heavy situation to have to deal with with no loo roll. I don't know what I've I don't I've oh, never that feels asked. so. You know what? It's weird that that's come through because that's very similar to Oliver's shitting. It's so true. Yeah, he, yeah. It just happened, and then we were there. But like, mate, I've, I've had to. I've had to. I call it the human chair, where I turn into a human chair to hold my children to shit into poo bags. I was the human chair, but I had no shit bags. It just no. We, we bare pooed it into the woods. Well, I mean, I can give you pointers of how you you create like a a grip on your fingers around the edge of the bag, so that the bag doesn't drop when the turd hits in it. Well, remember as Very well, I've got my old uh, carpal tunnel situation going oh, on. So God. My, my you're not meant to really fucking weak. You're not meant to use your arms. No, and I was like, like wet spaghetti. <laughs> Please, can you just hurry up? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Oliver pulls the funniest poo face. So he looks like <laughs> he looks like some sort of bizarre possessed medical <laughs> like murderer. If I'm honest. <laughs> He just he gets it. a fixated stare. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but then I think ev- like that's what kids do, isn't it? Yeah, and dogs. They do. say dogs do it when they they have to hold. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. They have to hold the gaze of their owner while pooing because it's an intimidating period of time, so they feel safe looking at them. I don't make eye contact <laughs> with my dogs. I can't do it. I can't look at them while they shit. It's just not all right. You feel ashamed for them. Yeah, I do feel ashamed for them. I hurt for them. You know, <laughs> I hurt for them. I should like, not be witnessing this. You feel, yeah, I'm going to be witnessing this. I feel, I feel dirty for looking. I feel so dirty. 
Um, so yes, that's that is the beginning, middle, and end of that uh, story. Oh, it's just awkward, isn't it, when you bump into someone that you've fallen out with as well? I mean, can you imagine? Can how you imagine awful? how awkward that would be? <laughs> you know what I find really weird? I'm sure we've talked about this before. This is not really falling out with someone, but like, especially when you are in an area and there's like lots of mums and, you know, mm-hmm. there's some mums that sometimes they say hello and then other times they just fucking blank me. Yeah. I find weird. that so awkward and strange. It's yeah, like, but then I think you've just got to recognise that's on them. It's not on you. Yeah, but then what happens is that, you know, my social anxiety gets activated by times like a million because I've gone to make some sort of awkward hello Mm. gesture. Kermit. Yeah. (laughs) Across the park. (laughs) And then they've seen me and gone, not today. (laughs) Not today. I'm not saying hello to her today. And then I'm just left like, oh, great. Now what do I do? Mid Kermit. (laughs) Mid Kermit. (laughs) You don't want to be my friend. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I don't care. Like generally, I don't care because I don't really want to talk to them anyway. Because you know, maybe this is a problem. Maybe they've detected that I'm a miserable cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme of this. That's podcast. what this podcast it's is discover called. Discover whether Vic is a miserable cow. cow. <laughs> well, I mean, you've never been a miserable cow to me, so I can't say that I can vouch for uh, Rob's experience. I'm not miserable. I'm not to people. You're only miserable when him. I him. contain it to the, you know, I keep it just in a safe space. <laughs> I maintain my, or contain my misery to home. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I find, and I have found on so many occasions that when I remove somebody from Facebook, now I don't really have very many people on my Facebook anymore. It's literally just my closest friends and my family. But before, you know, when you're like friends with fucking every, everyone you went to school with, but you hadn't seen in like 20 years. Yeah. And I go, I, I'm, I'm very good at the cull. You know, yeah. I will easily go through and be like, I don't see you, I don't see you, I don't see you. And I just unfriend them. Nothing personal, but you're not my fucking friend. And that's yeah. how I don't use Facebook as a popularity contest. It's literally just for my friends and family. Yeah. Guaranteed within two days, I'll fucking see them out. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> and it will happen. And I'll be like, oh my God, I've unfriended What you. do I know now? It's happened to me loads in the last 12 months. Really? Oh, loads, mate. And I I'm think like, as well, we were saying this before, sake. because you live in Portsmouth and it's quite small. You see a lot of people, don't you? That you know, yeah. like well, on a regular basis. Portsmouth is, is a city. So, I mean, it's not, it's not small, Nick. It's not like two um, streets. <laughs> And Gosport has a population of like 80,000 people. So that's also yeah, not that's minuscule. Cool. Yeah, but I live in London, mate. So, yeah, I just, so obviously I that's like just I your could, road. I could, I could live, uh, you know, in the same borough as a mate and like never see them, never yeah. bump into them. Yeah, whereas for me, I, I see people. On a fairly regular people on a fairly regular basis, um, and yeah, it will always be the people that I don't want to see. And I'm like, for fuck, fucking cunting sake. I'm so weird in those situations. The only thing I can really think of is like, if I see an ex-boyfriend, that would, yeah, just I'd be like, like, I just say the maddest shit. Have you met me? That's what I've said to Vic about this coming Thursday. Vic won't say anything and I'll over talk and probably offend every single person there because I've just got no filter and I feel nervous. Yeah. And because I'm, you're there as my, like, literally my human shield. My yeah, human I mean, shield of social I would not rely on me to shield anything, mate. If anything, <laughs> I can have us cancelled in a couple of hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually excited. I won't even need to get drunk because you'll be there as like my buffer. Whereas normally I'll, I'll, I'll leave a bit. I'll leave there. 
absolutely nail it or it will be catastrophic and that's the problem with me there's which no guarantee on which way it'll go and if I, I have to know who's going because then I'll have to over talk myself to be like don't mention that don't mention that don't mention that but then by saying don't mention it I'll mention it well I'm, I'm here for it mate I'm gonna try and <laughs> great thanks I'm it. so pleased <laughs> I don't feel like you're being supportive though <laughs> got an agony aunt here for you darling um, about careers. Oh, hi, ladies! Don't ask us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love the podcast. Get excited every week for a new episode. Laughing with you both has really helped me to take life not so seriously through a tough few years. I'm 25, and I've been burnt out by my social work career twice. Well, that is a tough gig. Yeah, social really work. tough job. I finally decided to put myself first and really focus on what I want to do career-wise. I'm trying to be selfish and make more of a priority for myself and my self-care in order to protect my mental health. However, now I'm shifting into putting myself first. I just feel so lost and not sure what skills I have or I want to do. I think that's so, that is so common. That's such a mm. common feeling, isn't it? I mean, well, I feel also like that, because mate. you've only practiced like in one area of career of your life, which is also exceptionally taxing. And if you can manage that career, then Jesus Christ, I think you could manage most things in life, but it's just... When you don't what know what you want, you feel in lost. Life. Yeah. I'm struggling with anxiety, depression and contamination OCD. It is wild that healing is not linear and I can really feel, and I can feel really high and really low every day. I really do just want to find a passion that I can turn into a career or find something that will make me excited for the day when I wake up. I'm currently in a really boring job. And when I complete the work, I end up going on my phone or reading this book as there is nothing else to do. I've asked my boss a few times what I can do next, but she tells me to ask another colleague instead or tells me I cannot do anything else as it is above my pay grade. Oh my God. So frustrating to be in a job that does not challenge me at all. Yeah, I can't seem to use this time to find what I want to do with my life. Please can you ladies give any advice at all? I'd be so grateful to know where to start looking for a new career and how I can go about finding something that sparks passion. I've worked so hard to get my degree and to help people, but I've ended up suffering so much. I'm now at a point where I'm fearing failure but I also just don't care about my current job, which is what I don't want in my life. Also, any advice on being kind to myself would be wonderful, as I'm my worst inner critic. Mm. Thanks for reading, and I hope you can give me any tips to make a huge shift in my life. Oh, okay, no pressure. And how to feel motivated. I have no idea what is out there and where to get started. Love you both so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Kiss, kiss. Kiss, kiss. Laura, careers. Uh, I personally think what is her passion? What it like, just write it down. I think that's like such a good thing to do. And it might be, you won't be able to do it in one hit. It could be that it could take weeks of you formulating this list of things of what do I love? And it doesn't matter, even if it's fucking riding your bike, just list all of it. Yeah. And then once you've created that list, be able to go back to that and go, which one of these could I curate into a career? And then work from there because your passion doesn't necessarily have to, you know, why can't it become your career? It's very difficult to know what that could be or where to look until all of a sudden, you know, what it is that really sort of sparks that, that love. And, you know, by the sounds of it, she obviously really likes caring for people. So it could be within that realm, not necessarily as intense as social work, but there are so many opportunities. And I think now in the day and age that we're in, there is every job out there. Yeah, and you can, you can fucking pretty much make up your own job as well if you want to nowadays. Become self-employed. You know, yeah. there are a million different aspects of it. And clearly a very intelligent woman to have gone through 
and obtained a degree. And I also think that she's in a particularly stressful, difficult uh, profession that is massively underfunded at the moment and has been for a long time. So I'm not surprised she's burnt out by it. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. And that I think she's that's lost quite normal, isn't it? A lot of that happens to a lot of social carers because it's just yeah. so intense, the job and the expectation and what you're what you what you have to do, and then taking on all of that, like you said, in an underfunded profession where basically it's set up, it's set up for failure because there's mm-hmm. not enough money to cater for all of the people that are in need. It's gonna take an it's gonna take a toll on your mental health, isn't it? Mm. I think that's hard though. It's really hard because if you don't I don't know. I don't think like she's saying mental health isn't that linear. I don't really think a career is linear. No way. No way. Like there's no one career set out for just, I think that if you were to find somebody that found a career as young as she has and work that through until retirement and say that it was still a passion, you'd be hard pushed. Yeah. I just think, you know, work on you. And it sounds like you need to do that anyway, because of that inner critic, which we all have, don't we Vic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like working on that person inside you that feels like she's not worthy enough of change or is too scared of change. And, you know, I know it sounds daft and I say it to people and I think they look at me like I'm a weirdo, but just thank that person that that's there inside you. It's not another personality. It's nothing like that. It's just that person inside you that says, I don't want to get hurt anymore though. So the fear of change makes that part of you go we should just stay here even though we're unhappy at least we know we're safe Mm. and it's just about that gentle guiding of saying it's okay we can do this now and the small steps that you take then they're going to feel so insignificant that they don't mean anything but when you start that process of even going right I'm going to write a list that is the beginning of that chapter in your life where you start to make that decision about what you want and what you deserve as well. And if it was one massive giant leap from one thing to the other, you're not necessarily guaranteeing that it's the right decision. So take it slow and work on your self-esteem and know that you are worthy of looking after yourself and care. Because if you don't have that, then what do you have? Because you are important and who you are is incredible. You just need to be gently reminded of that. That's all. And I do think a career, I mean, you know, whatever she ends up doing, there's always going to be a transition period when you make yeah. a career change because, you know, that's happened to me. I've made two career changes, big, I suppose, pretty big ones in my life. One, yeah. When I started out after uni um, and worked in uh, TV and um, production and really thought, yeah, this is where I'm going to be, you know, this is going to be my career. But very quickly discovered that it was, um, well, let's just say there's a lot of cunts in that industry. Mm. I didn't really like the people. They weren't for me. So I got out of that. And I mean, this was at a time in my life when actually I was probably the same age. I was about 24. Yeah, I Mm. was, I was 24. Um, And then I I moved back home and I like this lady. I really wanted to help people in some way. Um, And I knew what my skill set was at that time was a really practical one. It was video. Like I could, I could make films. I knew that. So I did a lot of volunteering, working with various charities. I wasn't getting paid for it. I just, I just volunteered for the whole lot. And I did a lot of work like that for a year. 
but I could because I lived at home. Yeah. So, you know, my mom and dad were obviously supporting me. They weren't giving me money. I also temped, which was probably the shittest year of my life because I worked at Red Bull. Like that was my temping job for that year. So nice. I worked part-time at Red Bull on the reception. So I did that. So I like, you know, it was that bridging that gap of yeah. having a way of still making an income and mate, that job was Barang! I can remember like you know you start the day and then at 10 o'clock you actually want to just die because you're like yeah only this is shit I'm here six. it was just so boring anyway but whilst that was going on I was then also doing all these other things and it it, it led to the job that I got at a secondary school which was like supporting creative projects in this Secondary school that was really creative. That was a whole ethos. It was part of their philosophy to have a creative education for all kids, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up in that job. And then that kind of did like become, I don't know if it's, do you think a dream job exists, Laura? Because it wasn't my dream job. There was elements of it that I loved. And then I stayed there for a really long time, 12 years. I think dream jobs do exist, but I think it's another like really um, disillusioned idea that's kind of pumped out by people that go oh my god I'm living my best life and it's really not helpful because we're uh idolizing the fact that perfection exists and it doesn't there's no perfect job because there will be good times and there will be bad times I fucking love what I do and yes I guess you would consider it a dream and to me it is a dream come true I've always wanted to do entertaining of some description so the fact that I'm able to do it is a dream come true but that doesn't mean that the bad times don't exist within that yeah so I think that it's not necessarily about a dream job I think it's about opportunities that will make you feel more fulfilled yeah and it's about knowing the fact that if that opportunity changes and it's not what it wants or it evolves into something different then that's completely natural and okay and that you can't always love what you do because there's always like, going to be like shit life. Of it. Yeah. There's going to be times when it's hard and yeah. that's, that's, you know, that has to be okay. And then we both made the transition into this career, didn't we? Cause we mm-hmm. were in a similar position. Pretty much exactly we were... the same time, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you, if anything, you were kind of the person that really gave me that push. You were the person that went, Laura, just fucking do it. And I, yeah. I took the, the dive um, through your encouragement to go because you knew how desperate I was to go. Yeah. And I was in admin for 14 years. It wasn't a fulfilling job. I hated it. And I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it worked around the kids and yeah. being at home. And yeah. it was adjustable or it was adjusted to the fact that I only worked part-time. So it was just easy. It was around the corner and it fitted, but it didn't make me happy. No. And then, you know, it was through conversations with Vic and Vic going that I just thought I'm doing it. And yeah. I, you know, like I do have a level of impulsivity about me anyway. And I think if I hadn't have had that impulsiveness, I probably would have been stuck there for a lot longer. And I'm so fucking pleased I didn't do that. I'm so pleased I left when I did. But we did the and- same thing, didn't we? So we stayed in those jobs, but mm-hmm. we, whilst our social media thing was happening yeah, and that was just kind of going on, but there was definitely a crossover period where I, I couldn't have done the social media unless I'd had that job because it was yeah. the income, you know? Yeah. And so that income was sustaining. To, yeah. But it was like, like having two fucking full-time jobs because well, it was yeah. two full-time jobs. What we do on the surface looks like we're fucking larking about living our best lives all the time, but it's absolutely, I think that's so far from the truth. It's yeah. not my dream job. 
I don't, I don't know what my dream job is. Doing this is not my dream I don't know that this is my dream job. job, but the industry, although, you know, whether you'd say I'm in the entertainment industry, I guess we are, aren't we? Yeah, I think we, we are. We are yeah. in the entertainment industry because we're entertainers. We're just on the internet, but that's yeah. still part of the industry. Um, and I think it's that's the bit that was my dream job, not being on social media, not, yeah. not by any stretch of the imagination, is that where I wanted to be or where I had hoped to be but I love what I do because it's within the realms of what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm like, I think I have a really love hate relationship with this career. Yeah. And I really absolutely adore elements of it. And then I really, really fucking hate other parts of it. And I've never yeah. had that extreme feeling yeah. about a job like I have with this one, but then maybe that's because of the nature of what we do. I don't know. Um, and the other thing about this career is that it feels very unstable, which I don't like that. Yeah, that I, I think self-employment comes with instability yeah. or instability. It does. Yeah. But for this girl, I think you know she needs. I've like said, <laughs> I don't even know why down... people ask. <laughs> Let's just make it about us. Um, she's got to write down her passions, and yeah. then from those passions, you can like draw out the things that you feel really strongly about. What things would you, from those passions, would you like to cultivate into a job? Yeah. And then from that, it's then looking what opportunities are there. And then you've got to do research. You've got to do research. You do, yeah. And just go and look and see like, okay, well, what jobs are in this area? And then figure out, actually, I'd love to do that kind of thing. Or, you know, even if it's just working out what could be turned into a job. Yeah. And then generally there out. is a path that you can kind of work out the way to, um, or to the way to, along, you be, to get yeah. where you want to be but it's like it's making that decision about the type of work that she wants to do but as soon yeah. as she wants to work with people there's loads of jobs that you can do that still you know do work with people and help people that aren't as intense as the social care yeah and the thing is they can be so vastly different as well not not necessarily like social work they could just be something completely different mm. yeah like so, yeah. a lot of charities as well um you know that they do they work directly with people that are in need, but you can work indirectly and just work on their like team of operative yeah. people that manage the business or do the website or whatever. You know, there's other ways of working for those career in those industries without having to directly be someone that's having to take on everyone's Everyone emotional shit. sort of baggage kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't know if that's helpful. I think it's yeah, just in a, it's nutshell, a case just of go researching. Off, just go, up, go off and fucking figure it out yourself. You're like, <laughs> you can't. No, I'm joking. Hone your passion. Hone, research yeah. it big time. And um, also uh, therapy. <laughs> also PS. Therapy. Uh, no, but also like I really do think like look up look up ways to boost self esteem and just understand the fact that it's not necessarily an outward source. That inner critic, I know that mine and well both of ours are a prick, so we both suffer with it. And I think that most people do. Mm. It just depends on to what sort of extreme it is. Yeah. But um, looking at the fact that there are so many self help guides out there about building self esteem and the fact that it again is all about starting small and just mm. starting the process of acknowledging that it's there then working out the ways in which you can improve it and that they are within you all of those tools are there you just have to like you say cultivate them you just have to work out what areas need work on and when you say something bad to yourself and it's something i've learned when you're saying something really horrible to yourself kind of counteract that with okay i understand why you're saying that but in actual fact i'm really proud of myself because i gave it a go yeah. i'm really proud of myself because i wrote into no holds barred 
and I actually asked, which means that I want change. So I'm going to look for that change because I deserve it. It's those little comments that you, when you make that effort to hear the way that you speak about yourself. And I really can't stress enough how we are so quick to demonize it and be like, oh, why am I talking to myself like that? And that's almost like the worst way to deal with it. Um, I think we've spoken about the chimp paradox before, haven't we? But that's like a really helpful book that I would suggest to anybody um, about how to change the way you talk to yourself and why it's really important. And it has such helpful techniques. There's loads of famous people that follow the chimp paradox as a a kind of way to manage their mental health. Um, So, yeah, that I would suggest reading that. And, you know, there's loads and loads and loads of books out there to help with managing that mental load and also to know that you're not alone with it it's just not very heavily talked about by people because it feels shameful especially not successful people my book out as in less than two weeks (laughs) discussing such topics (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you have to get laura's book absolute perfect 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 thing to read chimp paradox though because he's a doctor and he actually knows what he's talking about oh now now Self inner critic. Pipe down. Pipe down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that thought. And thank you for your counterproductive. Now back off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's round up. Let's um yeah. So if you want to send us a story, a DM or a voice note or an agony on anything you like, any other business, you can email us at noholesbellpodcast at gmail.com or what else can they do, Laura? They can head on over to our Instagram page at No Holes Barred Podcast and slide on into our DMs. And in addition to that, please continue to keep reviewing the podcast. We are seeing the numbers going up and it makes such a massive impact, not only to our self-esteem, but also the general podcast situation that we kind of got going on here. Um, and if you want any dildos, it's www.noholesbarpodcast.com. I love that. Just casually end. If you want, and if you want any dildos, just go here. You filthy slags. Lubes. Um all right. I love you. Love you. I mean we're gonna carry on recording so this is strange. But I will uh I'm always saying to you, you guys, guys, I will we we we, 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 we will see you next love Tuesday. You. We and love we you. We will see you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Ne- when is it? When is it? When is it? Next when is it? It's Tuesday. Next <laughs> Tuesday. Ta-ta-ta. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.